Life Audio. Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's episode, I'm being joined by a veteran homeschool mom of many to talk all about the conflicts that can sometimes arise among brothers and sisters and how we can deal with those and teach our children not just to get along, but also to honor one another and build deep relationships with each other. Brooke Wayne is a homeschooled graduate and homeschooling mother of 11. She's co-author of Pitching a Fit, Overcoming Angry and Stressed Out Parenting. Brooke encourages moms to love their children and connect deeply with their families, even in the midst of busy family life. She's the co-founder of Family Renewal, inspiring families to become a people prepared for the Lord. So after a short break, we're going to dive into our conversation about sibling conflicts. And I'm sure this is going to be an episode you'll want to pay really close attention to as none of our families are immune to squabbles. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is great to get to chat with you as always. I'm just thrilled that you're here. Thank you so much, Leslie. It's a joy to be with you. I love any time that I can get you or Israel on the program because I feel like there's such a commonality of thought and purpose between our families. I look at the way that you all have raised your children, the heart that I see in so many of them as they wander around conventions when I get to see them. And it's just, it's exciting to see. And I'm grateful for your friendship. Oh, I'm thankful for you too, Leslie. It's been just a joy to hear that heart for discipleship that you and David have. And it's a joy to be work together. It, it is. I'm like we were talking about before. I'm so thankful for just the family of God and how no matter where we live or what we do, when we come together, we do have that commonality and of love for the Lord, love for our families and just doing life together is a joy. For those who may not know your family, you know, you guys have been one or the other of you at pretty much all of our Teach Them Diligently events through the years. But can you tell us a little bit about your family and, you know, kind of give us an idea. You have 11 children. Kind of how do they, how do they line up? And, you know, because I, I want to, I'm very excited to dive into a conversation about their relationships. But I think context is probably really helpful for those who may not know you yet. Right. Right, for sure. So uh, to give you a little context, I grew up with one brother. So the large family life sometimes still feels a little new, I feel like. Now, okay, I didn't ever have this exemplified before me. I'm not sure what to do about this. This is new. So when Israel and I got married almost 25 years ago, we were like, well, you know, how many children do you want? And seeing some regrets my mom and dad had about not having more children. That was something that really inspired me to being open to a larger family. And so I threw out the number 12. Well, we're 11. So we're really grateful. It sort of feels like God not only gave us a vision early on for that, but then actually has brought that to pass. So there's like a 21 year gap between our oldest and youngest. Our youngest is two. Oldest is now 23. And we're pretty even as far as boys and girls. We have five boys and then six little girls. I say a little because most of them are younger. So I'm going to bring that a little bit into this conflict issue with siblings because more of our boys are older. And currently we have three teenage boys. 
So that can just give you a little information and insight into our home at this moment going, okay, this is a lot of boys talking and getting, you know, learning that process of getting along. And um, I'm sure the girls have that too, especially maybe as they're into their teens. But if for us, that dynamic is very much of a real thing going on in our home with teenage boys. And, you know, we just love these children. So grateful. So grateful they're all at home still. I know that's a short season that will pass very soon. And, and we're excited about launching them, of course. And I know in the next year, that's just probably going to be what's happening. But um, for right now, they're all home. And most of the time, we've lived in a reasonably small home, uh, about 2,000 square feet. And we are blessed now with a little bit more space. But sometimes that small home and homeschooling and home business all brings the family into a nice little instant pot with a little bit of pressure. So on that issue of growing up with just one sibling, you know, I learned a lot and I'm grateful my mom was like, hey, you need to learn how to interact with your brother well. He's younger than myself. So there was like the older sister thing where I'm going to tell him what to do. And I was a little bossy. And and he, of course, was not willing to follow my ideas. No figure, right? I should have had the full oldest rights. But anyhow, uh, you know, my mom said, you need to know how to relate to your brother because that's going to help you know how to relate to other people in your life, especially in marriage. I'm like, you know, of course, you never think of the sibling relationship going to prep you for anything. <laughs> it's just helping you learn how to defend your own toys and that kind of thing. But it really stuck with me. That's something I wanted to impress upon our children, all quite close in age, 18 months to three years apart in age. Yeah. And it's so true that that culture that you said as a family, which we'll, we'll talk a lot about here, but I was thinking about it as I was prepping and praying for this episode you know, we have, it's always been a really big deal to to David and myself that our kids be close, that they understand how to get along. Like you noted, yes. this is preparation for every other relationship that they have in their life. Right. And so we endeavored to set a culture within our family of, you know, David and starting with David and I, we, how do we resolve conflicts? How do we model right a relationship exactly for them? And then, you know, everything kind of trickling down to, you know, they, they all share a bathroom and there's a sign in there that is the verse in honor, preferring one another, because we need, we need to be reminded that, that as, as believers, as people in relationships, you prefer the other one, you are, you're giving. And, and so there's, there's just a lot, I think that goes into creating a family culture that lays a foundation and makes it easier for the kids to thrive in relationship with one another. So much so, yes. And, you know, I just feel like we're so quick with the homeschooling aspect to look at academics, and that's so needed. I really love seeing the excellence in academics that's happening in the homeschool culture. Yet, I think we also need as homeschool moms to look at all that's happening in relationship dynamic, not just us to our children, but our children within their sibling relationships, realizing this is equipping them for their futures. This is helping them in a non-academic way to excel in their character. And as you said, sometimes like we just need reminders uh, put before them out on any way we can do it, you know, just to let them know this is something that you can grow into that the Bible speaks to because we don't say, oh, it doesn't say anything about siblings specifically or a brother loves, you know, at all times, that kind of thing. But it actually is there's so much character development God sees in these sibling relationships. It's important to him. Oh, it is. It is. And 
You know, before we dive into specifics, I want to ask you a very personal question, and that is, are any of your children or you or Israel perfect? You know, are, do, are there, is there anyone in your family that this comes really easily for? Because there's no selfish bone in your body, right? <laughs> It can't be, you know, um, we, Israel jokes sometimes like, uh, God gives people children to help point out how imperfect they are and how selfish they are. And some people can make it with one or two children. And that's why he gave us 11 <laughs> because he's got a lot of working <laughs> to do on us. And it is so true. You know, sometimes I think it's, it's kind of like we, we think, Oh, I've got this down and, and everything. And yet these children help us see. Oh, I've got a lot to learn. And I think that's a beautiful place. I, I feel like so many times we shy away from something God's wanting to do in our lives because we're like, oh, I need to keep up this protective shield of perfection. Right. And yet it's in, in seeing our weaknesses and sometimes falling flat on our faces or being embarrassed by our children or all those things that we go, oh, God's wanting to do something. I want to throw in something about that with conflict because I am uh, much of, you know, the peacemaker and the peace faker. I'd probably be in the peace faker wanting just peace at all costs in my home. <laughs> and I just like noise. I just like a round and ruffle tumbling and fighting <laughs> and arguing and debating. I just, it drains me. And so I've kind of come to this realization as I shy away from that and realizing that there's something special about conflict and we all, we all act so um, afraid of it sometimes in our homes, especially in relation to our children. Yet there's a blessed thing in seeing conflict. You know, the Bible says, be thankful in all things. And we're like, not about conflict, right? But right. I really think exactly. that it opens our eyes to see something, a space that God wants to work in. And when we can look at the conflict and, you know, instead of drooping about it or being even angry about it or running and hiding to our closets eating chocolate, which I have been known to do. And you, there's something in that, that sacred space that's filled with ugly stuff uh, that God wants to transform. And when we can see it for that and realize oh, this is an opportunity for us to invest in something that God is doing within our home, within our children, then we can run to it instead of run away from it. After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. Oh, that's so true and so, so important to remember because I would imagine that a lot, you know, I'm very much like you too. I would love, I just want peace at all costs. I would, I would run from conflict rather than confront it if given, yes. you know, freedom yes. to do that. As moms, though, we aren't given the freedom to do that. We are called to train and teach our children, and that involves sometimes getting involved in situations that make even yes. us uncomfortable, and we know <laughs> yes. makes our kids uncomfortable. So, so it's it really is so important to recognize that mm -hmm. that there is good that comes out of this, and there's so much growth. Even as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, boys and girls, they do conflict differently. I mean, I, and anyone that has both, they, they do conflict differently. But what I found is my boys have become men is so often the conflict that the boys have with one another, if they're taught to manage it correctly and biblically, yes. that's, that iron, that's that friction that sharpens the iron of one another. That's how men engage yes. in a very different way than us girls do. And 
by training our boys while they're younger to deal well with conflict with the the closest people to them is their kind of their petri dish there where they're able to to learn the most i think that it's such a service to them as they're becoming men and they're standing on their own feet to learn they've got to be strong and and lead their families so that is going to bring them into conflict with people but it's how you deal with that and and how you grow together and find the commonalities even you know in the midst of of deep dissension Exactly. You know, Israel and I listened years ago to an audio book, and I'm sorry, I can't remember what the title was. It was by Francis Schaeffer. Okay. And he had this line that he repeated so much. You just would go around repeating it in, the, in your mind. And it was confrontation is necessary. And then it was gentle, loving confrontation, but confrontation nonetheless. And that's so true as believers. That's sometimes we need to stand strong in a way that's countercultural in a way that that opposes sin and doing that in that delicate balance of loving the truth but hating the sin is is a tricky thing it's a balance and our men our young men in particular you know sometimes they have that desire as ecclesiastes talks about to go and conquer and to tear down yet the scripture is full to say there's a time for that there's a time for tearing down there's a time for building up and i don't mean tearing down a person i'm just saying in this in the sense of tearing down lies that are out in our culture or lies that creep into the church even and and just showing that there's a balance. And for our young ladies, perhaps by nature, some of them will be a little bit more reticent to bring up any kind of trouble. And sometimes we need to push them to say, you know what, peace as in a a fake sort of way isn't all there is to this, you know, being, being, uh, keeping all this nice and smooth and everything is not always the end goal. There is speaking the truth in love and just teaching them how to walk through that. Each child will be different. Uh, but I do see some of those being some that young men tend towards and some that young women tend towards. Yeah. And I and I found through the years that if we allow our young women, like you were noted, who tend to be the ones, although I have I have one of my boys is much more reticent to kind of draw right. his lines and stand his ground just by personality. But if you are always avoiding any conflict at, at all costs, like you were noting, kind of that fake peace that you create, that tends to leave those little roots that can grow into bitterness because the, the things that are never resolved tend to fester and get bigger because right. rather than do, like cutting them off when they're small and manageable, they can really grow into something powerful. So that's another yes. reason why it's so, so important to train our children while they're young, while they're in our homes, how to deal appropriately and biblically with the conflicts that are going to come. Right. And that actually kind of moves us into a more practical part of our conversation. You know, there are so many, so many views on how to deal with conflict. And you're going to have it all up and down the spectrum, you, you know, let them deal, duke it out themselves to you are, you know, judge and jury in your own home and that you lay down the law. How have you guys found is practically the best way to engage with your kids and, and mobilize them in learning how to deal with conflicts? Because again, we're preparing them eventually to stand on their own. So how have you seen that progression from, you know, when they're small? Because there's different stages to this, too. Exactly. How have you seen that work out? 
Yes. You know, I look in the scriptures and I see over and over again in Proverbs how Solomon is calling for his son to listen, to tune into his, to what he's speaking, to give him his heart. Or I see in, I think it's Proverbs 29, 15, a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And then even in Galatians 6, 1, it speaks to, this is something that's related to the church, but I look at it as very prescriptive for parents. Then saying, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, mm. you who are godly should restore him in a gentle way. And I find those things and I say, I don't really see that ignoring the situation is going to help it get better. You know, simply by the fact that our children are inexperienced. So, you know, nobody showed them a better way. They don't know. They don't think about it. They just act out of the impulses of their right. emotions. And of course, Deuteronomy uh, 6 is just such a favorite of mine where it's giving us this prescription as parents how to go about. And that teaching happens when we wake up and when we're sitting around eating and when we're out working in our gardens and when we're out busy doing our life and all that. I see so much interaction that's prescribed in the scriptures for parents. And I believe this comes to the that area of sibling conflict. Now, granted, there's just going to be times when we're not there every single minute. Right. And so that's going to happen. And we, we need to help our children go from ground zero to knowing how to deal with those conflicts on their own. But I have really felt very strongly that my being around the just simply being around helps so much. We also have a neurodivergent child and that has tended to add to our family dynamic with that, just that we need to be there. Then we have a lot of little ones and of course little ones can't be left alone. A disaster right. happens way too quickly. So that's part of our dynamic. They could look very different for another family. But by and large, I have just seen so much fruit from being around. And you know, that's again that yeah, phrase in Proverbs, child left to himself. As I'm there, does it help the, ch the children not have squabbles? You could say potentially, yes. But the beauty is when they do have those squabbles, I'm in the next room or, or I'm nearby and can catch on to it more quickly. And then it can come and give some guidance as necessary to helping that. You know, you start hearing the tone go up and you go, okay, wait a second. And <laughs> like I said, Conflict is not something to run away from. It, yeah. It's hard because we're like, not again. You know, this is disrupting our beautiful schedule. These children just need to get with the program. And right. yet it's a beautiful moment to say, Lord, do something. Help me to know how to help in this situation. And I really encourage parents, don't just say be kind or be nice. Those are all nice little, that's a nice thing to say. Is short and to the point, but bring in the scriptures because in the power of the scriptures, there's a work that God wants to do in our children. And when our children can see it's more than just a, a little pat of be nice, I feel like that they can grip hold of something that's a little bit deeper and stronger. Now that happens bit by bit, right? And sometimes I'll need to come in and say to our children, here's the thing, you may speak to your brother. You may even say, what you are doing is wrong, or I would like you to stop this, but you do need to speak sweetly. You can't be screaming that message to them. You need to speak it kindly. And then they need to, you know, actually care about the other person enough that they're not just going to be like, well, I don't, I won't have a relationship with you anymore. I'm not, I'm not playing with you anymore. That kind of thing. Right. And this is an ongoing thing. We help our children through. And you know how it is. There's going to be plenty of times when 
for whatever reason, you are not available at the moment. You're not going to be right there. And so I use those times to hear about, you know, when I hear about, okay, they did have a conflict or squabble to go, okay, this is showing me that they're not ready for that duke it out on them (laughs) by themselves kind of mode. They they really still need that. And I, I find so much the time these situations become family discussions. Sometimes it feels like it can go on way too long. And I'm really trying to learn in our home. It's better to have it be dealt with reasonably quickly and not just drag it on and on so that everybody hates that. I don't want them to hate my getting involved with their conversation, but to actually bring peace and love to the situation. And sometimes it takes them a little while for sure to grasp onto that. But that beauty of seeing and being able to plant in their minds, here's how to do it. So sometimes in the heat of the moment, I'm just going to say is maybe not best to try to state some things and to give some direction. Sometimes it's better for, you know, depending on your children, you know them, but depending on your children to say, we need to convene about this and talk about it again, and then talk about it when everybody's a bit more calmed down. So on the flip side, I really feel it's important that as parents, we don't make all our conversations with our children happen after something bad has happened. For sure. And we need to make sure we have these like proactive moments where we take them aside and we just talk about stuff. We talk about why it's important to speak the truth. We talk about why it's important to show love to their brother or sister. We talk about how conflict resolution is so important for their life, not just with their siblings, but we draw into their future marriages as we touched base on already. The fact that they are going to live in relationship with a lot of people with whom they disagree and don't get along well and whose personalities clash, whether they're communities or perhaps even the church. And this is where I feel like these little children (laughs) that run around our home with bare feet and leave peanut butter smears all around and who occasionally are nasty to their brothers and sisters. These children, Lord willing, are our future church. And scripture has a lot to say about brothers, you know, within the church, love each other and let the world see that you are Christians by your love for each other. That we can look at the mess that's happening within the home and these little children and go, or maybe big children, and I go, okay, I don't know how they're going to get from point A to point B. And right. that's where I feel like we as parents plead with the Lord to do a work in our children's lives and we get involved and we start showing them a better way. So anyways, going back to that that positive moment, I feel like it can have a lot of benefit for us bringing some dynamics that help the practical side of things. So we might say to our children, you know, you can speak gently to your children. That's a requirement. You may speak to them. You may even say you are wrong because that needs to be a, an approach that's taken at times, the confrontation aspect. You know, they, they need to be right on the issue too, hopefully. Right. But, you know, that's a whole other topic. But speaking gently or respecting others' property, that's something that we can talk about in a good moment. It's received better in the positive, happy moment than, uh, you know, in a as a child might receive it. Just, yeah. Yeah, a discipline kind of moment. But then being willing to listen, you know, and telling our children, the scriptures talk about being quick to listen and slow to speak. You're going to make better movement with your conversations with your brothers and sister, sisters if you're willing to listen to them. And then um, being hands off of your siblings when angry. Okay, so I've I've had like several ways over the time. I'm trying to figure out the right wording I want for that. So my current way to say that is you you may not touch your brother or sister unless it's a kindness to them. Mm. You know how children are. They bring up 
the one time like, well, what if what if my brother or sister's out in the street and I shove them out of the way and it hurts them? I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah. So <laughs> that's a kind of an exception to being kind and gently touching them. But, you know, just every touch should be a kindness to them. And I hope I find my exact wording on that someday. But you know, those are things that we can put handles for our children to understand what it is we're even going for right. and bringing, of course, the scripture into those conversations goes such a long ways towards helping them see the big picture. Oh, it does. And, you know, we talk so much about being present and the fact that we're with our kids and all the benefits, the the growth of relationships and, and all the things that that affords us by making the choice to be with our kids. But I don't think I've ever had a conversation where it was positioned as being with our kids allows us to be there for those moments of conflict to train them through it. And that is such a powerful right. reminder that, yes, there are there there are a myriad of beautiful reasons for us to be with our children. Some of them, you have to go through some mud to get to the beautiful, but the the importance yes. of us prioritizing those relationships of prioritizing that those moments and being there with them we can't overstate how god can use that time so i really i appreciate your reminding us of that as you were talking too i thought there are a lot of times when as a parent who is present with their children you know you'll hear these conflicts often you can kind of hear them brewing like you can you, you're hearing the storm coming up and you know something's about to happen. I know I would a lot of times sit back and kind of see if they were able to manage through it before I would preemptively intervene. Again, you're in different children, different stages. But one thing that I found, and, and I want you to kind of address this, when you are you walk into a volatile situation among your children, and there will be volatile situations with your kiddos, it's really important I have found that I am in control, that I have self-control in those moments and that I don't react mm -hmm. to them in in a manner that is not self-controlled because that seems to just throw kerosene on the fire and just absolutely make things explode. How can you or what have you guys learned? How how would you address the the parents' responsibility just in not reacting with the anger, frustration, angst, you know, whatever it is that we're feeling, really coming in with a, a just a, so often I would enter a situation just praying, God, control me, God, control, give me wisdom, give me wisdom, give me wisdom, because in my flesh, I just wanted to just lay them all. This is right. We've been through this. You guys know better. But that's not helpful for anyone. That is so true. And, you know, I, as a young mom, I had that feeling so much and I was outnumbered pretty fast, too. And so it just felt like I need to get control over this mess that's happening. And it's easy to just decide, oh, if I talk louder, my children will listen. And of course, any mom who's yelled once or twice knows it really doesn't work. You know, maybe it once works slightly, but not in the long run. And so, you know, okay, that's not it. Okay, being really stern and, and kind of giving everybody a little harsh uh, words will make the difference. And, you know, it's like sometimes you can get a little bit of a result with that, but then you sort of go, it wasn't really how I was going for this. And yeah. I wanted to build relationship. I wanted to build godly impartation, uh, you know, giving my children something from the Lord here. And so I go, okay, 
what is it I need here? And really for me, a huge turning point, we had five or six children at that point, was reading James one twenty. And of course, perhaps I had come across it before that. I think I had now, you know, but it's like when I saw that in those needy moments, the scripture okay. spoke to me so much of the uh, anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And that's what I wanted to see born in my children. And yet my moments of how to react to my children's fleshly behavior was apply some more fleshly behavior. If they're loud, I was loud. It was like I almost mirrored and was led by my children's emotions instead of being led by the Holy Spirit. So for me, every time I'd come upon one of those crazy scenes where I go, okay, I know this isn't right. Somebody's going to get hurt here or at least emotionally hurt. And I need to put a clamp on this right now. You know, that word, nip it in the bud. And it's like, I know I need to do that. And yet I would just go back to that verse over and over. If I want to see God's righteousness produced here, I can't apply anger. Mm -hmm. And that helped so much just to take myself back into check and go, okay, pray, pray. How, Lord, am I supposed to even deal with this mess? Because we don't know. You know, sometimes we'll say, I feel like a failure because I don't know how to deal with this. And this is just where God wants us because he wants us to recognize we're needy of him and those who are without wisdom to ask for it. And that's a beautiful spot because God cares so much about what's happening with our children, the way that they're being raised, the things that they're being taught so that he will supply that need. And maybe we might not have in that 30 seconds when we're like, okay, I need it right now. It may take time for us to grasp all that God wants to do in and through us. But I feel like our calmly coming to our children and recognizing we need to bring order here is going to be part of the way in which we show our children that God wants to, to bring peace and harmony there. And it doesn't mean shutting up. It doesn't mean uh, you can't have your say. It doesn't mean we just ignore sins or annoyances or that kind of thing. There, There's sometimes a blend of ignoring an annoyance and sometimes speaking to it, but realizing our children need that vision to grow into relations, conflict resolution for relationships beyond even their home, I think is a big thing, but realizing God's called them to love their brother or sister. And again, helping them recognize there's a way besides, uh, you know, outright fist fighting, which I'm thankful hasn't actually happened in our home, but you know, that kind of thing can happen or nasty words and slanderous speech or gossiping and that kind of thing. All of that is our fleshly way to deal with things. So as we teach our children, there's a better way that resolves conflict, that can deal with conflict, I think um, really goes a long ways in helping them understand mom and dad aren't just trying to maintain the peace at all costs, but to help peaceful relationships ensue from maybe a judge and jury sort of aspect. You know, maybe it comes right down to that of the parents need to say, we will decide on this factor, how this will all go down. And, you know, Hopefully there's just a buildup over that that home that's happening all the time where the children can respect. This is mom and dad. God has given them to us as our authority in this season of our life. You know, no, no child really comes into the world uh, with th- that long term. So that's a, you know, that's an area that sometimes they need to learn uh, as well. But over time, these this, that repeated scripture speaking to our children and living before them in such a way that we show them this is for 
God's glory and this is for your best. Yeah. I can help them. Well, absolutely. And we were talking before about that culture that we're creating in our family and and it's so important to equip our kids outside of times of conflict and taking yes. those discipleship moments, just those conversations like you were noting as you walk, as you talk, as you do laundry together, or clean up the kitchen or whatever it is, garden, at whatever it is that you're doing together, you're passing on biblical principles. You're teaching them how to think biblically about every situation. That's going to equip them when they're in those situations where they get crossways with someone, whether it be a sibling or someone else, they are already grounded in truth that even if they forget it in the moment, just like we all do, that we have it, we have something that we can point to and ground them back on. So we're no longer just dealing with the conflict yes. based on what we see. We're much quicker to go for the heart of the matter at that point, which is the only place we're going to really be able to to bring about true resolution. Yes. Because so often, by the time that we see the fruit of the argument, it's it's just the tip of the iceberg. It really all started boiling up down at this root level. And we want to deal with those problems right. so that we can keep it from happening again. Exactly. Yes. I think that's so true. And, and I guess that also brings up another point of how, as moms and dads, how important is it that we are modeling within our marriage relationship how to deal with conflict. You know, so often when people talk about sibling relationships, they are just laser focused on siblings. But the truth of the matter is they're getting their conflict resolution from somewhere. And it's from how, you know, in our home, David and I are dealing with our own conflicts and you and Israel are dealing with your own conflicts. So how important have you found and how seriously do you all take modeling that for your kids? Oh, I think it's so important. I I remember my mom saying when she started homeschooling myself and my brother in the early 80s, that uh, homeschooling was so much like a mirror. And it's really parenting, but it's parenting at an all of like a full-time level. Right. Parenting is like a mirror. And what you see in your children are all of your faults and weaknesses. And uh, she just said, wow, that's really humbling. And I can so see that now because sometimes what we see happening within our children can actually reflect, not all the time, but it can reflect back on what they see modeled in front of them. And as I spoke before, having our children learn those sibling conflict resolution aspects is going to help them for their marriages because even though they may equate it as something different, it's like that process of learning with those closest to you, those cl closest in proximity and around you, how to relate to each other. And so I really do feel like if, if the sibling squabbling is out of control in the home, it is important for parents to first look at themselves and say, oh, how are we doing in showing consideration for others? How are we doing when we get bumped in life? How are we doing when we do have a conflict? And the way my grandparents' generation handled this sort of thing was to simply never see, let the children see any kind of conflict, nothing at all. Right. So my mom actually grew up thinking they had absolutely nothing that they disagreed on. And that sure did not help her for adult life when she right. married, because she realized, they probably did. They just did it all behind closed doors. And obviously, I think some conversations that husbands and wives obviously need to have behind closed doors. It's not like we need to air every disagreement. That's not healthy right. either. 
But on a, on a, a small basic level, there's plenty that's just going to happen within the home uh, that's before the children. And we may blow it too. Uh, you know, that might be a part where we're just so intent on our way or our emotions that we blow that aspect and we show our children the wrong example. And so thank the Lord. He shows so much grace in these things. But I think we need to come back in public and humble ourselves to our spouse and be willing to say, I was wrong. And for Israel and I, we really try hard in those situations not to just say, I'm sorry, or I apologize for this, but to actually go deep and say, I was wrong. And it might be, I was wrong to raise my voice. I could have put my words in a kinder way. You know, those types of things. And I'll tell you what, the eyeballs in the room, the little eyeballs go, wow, I just, I just saw mom do this. And you know, that speaks so much, so much to our children when they see their parents repent to each other. Uh, so that's an aspect where if that your children have seen that, that's going to be a powerful work that they can carry into relationships and go, I saw this modeled. I, I, I know how this works. Yeah. And that goes a very long ways into when you speak to them, they're like, okay, this is for real. This isn't just something that you feel like children should eat their vegetables and not have cookies at night. And then they see you eating all the cookies at night. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like they see this is a real thing that's happening. I need to live this way too. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so impactful what we model. And it's, as you were talking about that, we've, we've always made a big deal of, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And then we, we train the kids from very young to extend that forgiveness and not just, yeah, it's okay. It's fine. I forgive you. That was, that was a big deal for us because we were trying to teach them to, to extend that gift of forgiveness and let it be, leave it there. But even like two or three nights ago, David and I got crossways about something. It was clearly a big deal because I don't remember what it was now. But we were kind of giggling when all was said and done because we used, still, we used those exacts. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I forgive you. And we're we're still, we just got so ingrained in using the exact words that we were teaching our kids that even now, you know, 25 years into our marriage, it's still impacting us. I still hear my adult children using the same words these things that we're giving our kids while they're young will stay with them forever, will impact every mm-hmm. relationship that they have. And it is, it, it's impossible to overstate the mm-hmm. importance of taking the time to train them while we have the privileged time with them that we're able to present. Totally. Yes. Some of the parts I've wrestled in my mind with that aspect is just uh, how much do I let whatever is true of my children in their hearts as far as like what the Lord might be doing, or then if they're not allowing him to do anything to just come forth and then they are living in their authentic selves and so forth. Or how much do I have what could be perceived as behavior modification is I require my children to repent to each other, to say, I forgive you, to give each other a hug at the time, you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, maybe there's a tension there, but there's this aspect of, Yes, it is the Lord's work that needs to happen in our children's lives. So that salvation brings about a new creature, a new creature that wants to forgive, a new creature that wants to repent when wrong is done. And all that is so true. And, and that's where our prayers are, that will grow. Yeah, I see those little years as so beneficial. And I say little years, but you know, I mean, those years when our children are growing up and yeah. in our homes, 
whereby we help lead them in the right path. And that helps those habits to become much more a part of who they are in their life. It's not like it's not something they've never done before. And that goes such a long ways for them to know how to walk in the ways of godliness. It's so, so true. Yeah. And and I appreciate so much the things that you've shared today. I think this is this has been a conversation that I pray is helpful and encouraging and hopeful for, you know, moms with kids of all ages who may find themselves in kind of the weeds of a more contentious vibe within their family. I would encourage those that are that find themselves there to look very closely at the way that that you're modeling conflict resolution from the top down, what kind of a culture you're creating and and how you're equipping your children to deal with those situations, just like you were talking about. So Brooke, thank you so much for taking the time to to join us today. It's been it's been a huge blessing to me and I'm sure to many others. Thank you so much, Leslie. And I just really want to quickly mention, uh, we have a chapter in our book, which is called Pitching a Fit, that does deal a little bit with helping the anger issues with between siblings. And that might be a benefit for those who are listening to you can get it at familyrenewal.org. Okay, great. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you where. So how can people connect with you? I know you guys are out speaking quite a bit. How can they yes. find out about that? Tell us a little bit how people can really engage with your family and your ministry. Yes. So if you reach out to us at familyrenewal.org, you'll be able to go to our store there. And there's a events listing that uh, I don't know if it's updated at the moment, but it has lists of where we'll be speaking and then just ways to reach our blog and so forth. And so I'd encourage you to go there. Also, Israel, my husband is very much involved on social media. So we have a a group that you can join that talks about family issues called Raising Them Up. And usually once or twice a day, there's just something new talking about the, all the aspects related to family life and raising children in the Lord. So, yeah, we'd love to have you sign up on our mailing list. That's available to do that through the familyrenewal.org as well. So, but thank you so much, Leslie. This was a joy to do. And I just really thank you for the opportunity to be able to share together. Well, you're welcome. It's It's been great. And I will say to those of you listening in, I can say without any reservation whatsoever that if you engage with Brooke and Israel Wayne and you you read what they have to say, it is coming from a place of solid biblical knowledge. They are living out what they are teaching. They are a really fine resource for seeing what God's Word says and how it relates to your family. So I cannot encourage you strongly enough to engage with them. Go hear them speak. Come hear them and teach them diligently. There are a lot of ways to engage with them. So thank you again for joining us. There's a lot of ways that you can spend your time, but I pray that this has been just a real blessing and encouragement for you. It's given you ideas as to how maybe things need to change in your home. Maybe you need to get in God's word more and see how God would grow you personally so that you can pass those truths on to your children. We talk all the time about how the Great Commission begins at home, and we are able as adults to to really show our children the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the redemption that comes when though relationships are broken, they are able to be restored through the act of forgiveness and love and mercy. And all of these things point us so naturally to a Savior who gave His life to redeem us once and for all. So I pray that you take advantage of all of these moments. Thank God for the fact that you are present with your kids. You're able to be involved in those conflicts and to train them through it. So 
Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more, so check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm -hmm.